he's just sorry because he got caught, mm-hmm. right? Now, I think he would have got caught either way. Like, there's yeah. no way out. When someone's saying stop, like, do they really want to stop going to an island with supermodels every weekend? Yeah. This guy's a psychopath. This guy's a sociopath. This guy's whatever. Do you believe you have any of those tendencies? They know that I go flip mode when I bust the rhymes. Man's on a different thing when I told him a hundred times. I did a bunch of crimes and none of them were done for the vine. So you can take that bullshit and stick that where the sun don't shine. The summer's up, it's about to get real cold. Late nights in the studio with the bros. Welcome back to the NBH Podcast, Money Buys Happiness. Guys, if you're watching today and you are not subscribed, you know what the fuck you got to do, okay? Like, subscribe, comment, leave a comment. Let us know what you think of the episode. Just past 75K subscribers. Congrats. Nice. I'm copying for myself. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. We love you guys. <laughs> Ernesto, who the fuck is in the building today? We got Billy McFarlane in here. Yes. All right. Shout out Billy for coming by. What up, Billy? Yeah, How you thank doing? Thank you guys. I love the space. Thank you. Inspiring. Inspiring, right? I want to go make some money after this so I can afford this. <laughs> <laughs> um, for, for most of our audience, you guys probably have seen Billy um, on Firefest, the documentary. Um, if you haven't checked out that, that documentary, go watch it so you understand what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, we got Billy in here. We're in NYC. Yes. Pumped to be in NYC. Yes. Always inspirational to be here. Um, you've been here for a while. You've been living yes. here for a long time. Moved here when I was like 18 or 19 and then had a vacation for a few years, but now we're back, baby. So. <laughs> That's such a good age to move here. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, wow. Like a 19 year old and you're just coming here. Like the world is yours kind of thing. No. Went to college for a year. Yeah. Dropped out. Nice. Moved into the first ever WeWork space. Wow. Like, oh, not, shit. not that many blocks away from yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the rest is history, man. But like. Blame, blame New York. <laughs> Fox. How, how old are you now? Uh, 31. 31. Oh, you're still young. You're still young, man. Yeah, you're still still early in the, in, in, the, in the career. It's just like crazy how much time we really do have. Yeah. And we're all just sprinting, right? And like yes. at 19, I feel like I had three weeks to, to make I, it. I know. Yeah. I look back now, I'm like, dude, I was a fucking moron. Like, <laughs> I have so much time. So they, much time. they say yeah. life, life, uh, life goes by fast, but like, I don't agree with that to to full extent. I feel like you have a lot of time in life and... and there's a lot of pressures now in this world that you have to get things done tomorrow, today, Mm -hmm. right? And be that successful tomorrow, today, right? So yeah, I think, uh, fuck, we're going to get right into it right now, right? Yeah. So you came out of jail recently. Yes. Okay. When was that? I sentence ended August 30th. So it's been like seven months. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you did, you did how long? Uh, four years, just over four years. But yeah, Damn. dude's like fucking crazy. In seven months, I like came out. I think my family gave me two hundred dollars, and like, <laughs> and they bought me like a Timberland wallet, like <laughs> like two hundred bucks in. It. Was that <laughs> like, the start? The fresh start? Like yeah, like yeah, don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> like I'm gonna probably have to spend it at one <laughs> so, place. It's like, do you understand? Like, like, a, like breakfast in New York now is like eighty dollars at a restaurant. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, dude, seven months later. So when did you go in? What like do you remember the date that you went in? So the festival was the end of April in 2017. Okay. Uh, went on bail like six weeks later. Okay. And then went to jail officially in June of 2018. Okay. So it's like 2018 through August of 2022, but so four fucking years. Yeah. And, but yeah. I mean, you missed the pandemic, right? Everybody tells me. If I <laughs> Everyone was like in jail during the pandemic. Miss, like that was definitely a good two years. You got, real, you got the right two years yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, we were all locked up. <laughs> T- technically. Yeah. So how was, okay. So I want to get into that a little yeah. bit because- we watched a lot of your, your content and the mm-hmm. other episodes you've been on. Um, and we're interested to hear more about even the court hearing and, and how that sure. went um, and how just that process was. I don't think a lot of people know how that, that process goes and what's involved. So maybe if you want to speak on that a bit. Yeah, I think what, what's really scary is that you just realize you have zero control. Yeah. And I think a lot of times in like pursuits like we have, 
it really comes down to us. Like we are going to fail or succeed based on our work ethic and our decisions yeah. and the people that we choose to be around. But when you get to like the justice system yeah. and there's the federal government and there's a the judge and there's a prosecutor, it's like, you just can't do shit. Like yeah. you are screwed. And it's really, really hard for an entrepreneur to come to terms with that. You just have no yeah, control. You have no control. And you keep trying to fight against that. And it always makes it worse. Yeah. And every time I see whether it's SPF or somebody else who's like, been an entrepreneur for their whole life's face the system and try to like fight their way out of it. You only dig a deeper hole. Yeah. And that yeah. was like the hardest thing to really learn. Yeah. And, and how long was the process? Like what like, was it like, a like, was it trial fast? Was it multiple weeks? What was yeah, the, so I was on bail for a year and oh, basically okay. like that was just them investigating. Okay. And I think like 10 months into that, they essentially called and said, Hey, here's a guilty play offer and you have like six hours to accept it oh my God. <laughs> or else you're fucked. Oh shit. Yeah. Damn. So, so did you, you took it? You took it and basically yeah. just like plugged Like I was very guilty. It was, it was black and white. I was yeah, totally yeah, wrong. Yeah, so like yeah. I couldn't fight it. Fair. But it's like after waiting for 10 months, like what the fuck's going to happen to me? All right. You have six hours now. Like review yeah. this. That's and like crazy. I'm going to try to argue my lawyer. Like, no, these numbers are wrong. He's like, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Because like, the original sentence was more than what you served, right? So I got uh, sentenced to six years. Okay. And then in the federal system, everybody gets 15% off for good time. Oh, shit. You basically like lose a year. Okay. And then Trump actually passed a bill when I first went to jail that was supposed to give first time nonviolent people a year off. And no one believed it was true. And they literally like woke me up a few months before I got out and like, fuck you, McFarland, you got a year off. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. Out of here. I didn't even know that. They were fucking with me. <laughs> Shout out Trump for that. <laughs> so what, that's like nonviolent cr crimes? So basically anybody who's a first time offender and what had a nonviolent crime, if you serve like three or four years, they'll give you up to a year off. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. So now that you, okay. So then we're in the process. You're in the process. You, you accept the offer. Yeah. And then what's, what's happening in your head at that point? Like what's happening in your mind? So now I'm like just totally fucked and I've been just like <laughs> trying to scrape by to survive for yeah. the time on bail. And I was just like once again fucking around on bail. Yeah. And they came and they rearrested me. Really? And oh. that took it from maybe a year or two to a six year sentence. What were what were you What's doing? What were you fucking around with? Got your coffee order here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. I was dude, I was just trying <laughs> to pay back what I thought I owed and I was just doing it in like the most just ridiculous any way, way possible. Yeah. And just I was so wrong and it made no sense. Yeah. But like once again, like thought I could solve this problem. Whereas like the only way to handle this is like sit down and shut the fuck up. I just didn't know that. Which is hard to do. Did, like did you, you ever, said, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Did you ever think like during that 10 months, like, Hey, maybe I'm not going to go to prison. Like, did you ever have a thought like that? Or did, was it always like from the get like, okay, I'm going. It's just how much time. I always kind of knew I was going to go. Okay. Okay. But I thought, hey, maybe it's like six months or maybe 10 months. And like, I probably knew it would be longer, but I was lying to myself that it was like, wouldn't be that bad. For sure. And I think when you're faced like with that trauma, you kind of have like the fight or flight response, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, oh, fuck it. Like, I'll fight this one out. And like, even though I'm guilty, I didn't really hurt anybody. And like, you're just like, logic is wrong. For and sure. it's like, you fucked up, you're screwed, <laughs> yeah. and there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Well, you have no experience in it, right? No experience. It's your first yeah. time. It's just like, yeah. okay, how the fuck does this go down? Yeah, it's, it's tough. How was, the, how was the first day? Oh, uh, brutal. So yeah. I went to the uh, Brooklyn Detention Center. Okay. And that was like... Is that like a, ba like a bad one? Yeah, like, basically that, okay. people from like every aspect of, of crimes. Okay. And just, you just see some brutal shit. It's, yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, Did people like know who you were when you went in? So like other inmates daytime TV is like massive in jail. Oh my God. It's like ah. all the shitty talk shows that like I've never seen in my life were yeah. just on 24 <laughs> seven. Okay. So they're totally up to date on pop culture. And like, they know way more about pop culture than like anybody else yep. like, who's actually working in the real world. So 
they're certainly familiar, you know. Fuck. Did any, was anyone like trying to fuck with you, like like security or any? Like I don't. I just want to know the experience you had. Like I, I think a lot yeah. of our viewers, they have no idea what goes on behind bars. Pretty so much. I think at like the tougher places, it's really all about like gangs making money. Mm-hmm. And, like just because you go to jail doesn't mean you stop selling drugs or, or stop hustling in some capacity. Okay. And the people who really get in trouble are the ones who get in the way of that. Okay. Whether it's like as simple as not paying your bills. Or like selling drugs and they're pissed that you're making money. Okay. So I just like made it a point where I just didn't make a dollar my entire time in jail. Like I never yeah. had like a hustle, which yeah. most people did have in there. Crazy. And that pretty much avoided the bigger problems. That's it's just crazy that people are like they're working in jail. Like like you know they're making money. Where's this money coming from though? It's basically like a, <laughs> it's like a cash app world, okay, right? Okay, like, okay. It's like everything you buy. It's like all right, my girl's gonna cash app you hundred bucks, and then like this oh is shit, happen. like someone outside. Yeah, okay. exactly. So it's all based on cash app outside, and their physical mailing stamps are like the currency inside. So you can't have money, but basically you have these like stacks of stamps. Oh, and, like and that's each like, stamp is worth like thirty cents or forty cents, and like you want to buy a soda, okay, it's two stamps. You know, yeah, yeah, you that's buy the a currency. Cigarette, it's twenty stamps, whatever it is. <laughs> that's so amazing. <laughs> basically, you, you cash up someone to get like a brick of stamps and use your stamps as, as money. Okay. Yeah, so, it's always funny seeing these guys like showing off their stamps, like <laughs> like that's like hundred dollars, man. <laughs> that was the flex. <laughs> making, like money phones out of it. <laughs> it's like, that's crazy. It's like, in terms that's of like amazing. even like what people are allowed to have, because like we even see some stuff online where it's like guys are in, in in jail and they have their phones and they have stuff like that. Did you see that? Yeah. You're certainly not allowed to have phones, but that was like the biggest beyond drugs. Like that was the biggest hustle. Really, so like True. phones are pretty rampant. Wow. And yeah, er- so- everybody like is trying to sell or trying to buy a phone like, yeah. every day. The yeah. cops are looking for them every day. It's like a whole like you know terrible system where people are trying trying to buy them. The cops have the machines like pick the signals up, and it's yeah, all yeah. a terrible game. Damn. Yeah. So you tried to also start a podcast in there. Yeah, not a good idea. How, <laughs> what was that? What was the deal? I with mean, that? it sounds. Hold on. It sounds like a great idea. It actually does. Like I, from inside, I, that'd think, be I jokes. think people would have definitely yeah. listened. Hundred percent. I did not make it to episode two hundred seventy something. <laughs> so congrats, guys. You outlasted me. So there's these payphones, and you're allowed. I think it's like twenty calls a month. Okay. And each call is fifteen minutes. Okay. You can do them in any order as long as you wait thirty minutes between each call. So I had a friend basically set this podcast up with some, you know, small podcast company okay. where the host showed up at the studio for two days. And I called in every 30 minutes, basically, for two days wow. and used like my 20 minute phone calls. Okay. They chopped up maybe like two episodes. Okay. And then a couple hours after the trailer dropped, the guards came and grabbed me like, yep, not happening. And threw me in solitary confinement <sighs> for seven months for that. Gee. But what, yeah. like, was there a specific, like, was, like, is that technically a crime or they just didn't want you doing that? Like, that what? almost made it worse. Like, it wasn't a clear, like, there's no rule in the handbook saying that's what you I'm can't saying. do a podcast. So made it worse. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. oh, like, what do we do? Like, how do we punish you, you for You found this? the gray area. That's why. And they're like, like, if you just use a cell phone, we can, like, get you in trouble for that and call it a day. But we're not really sure, like, what to do. For sure. And they're like, we're just going to keep listening to it to make sure you said nothing crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, every call is already recorded. Like, you guys know what I said. And just, they didn't care. Interesting. So solitary confinement. Terrible. What 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 was that like for you? It's just people just go fucking crazy. Yeah. And yeah, I can imagine. Like you're basically down a long concrete path with metal doors. You can either be alone or with a cellmate and okay. both kind of have their pros and cons. Yeah. But you're you're locked in all day long. You just like you can't leave. And you see fucked up shit like guys like taking a shit in a peanut butter jar. And like making a makeshift straw and like spraying the cops' shit and like when they oh walk down God. the hallway to come on, you know, it's like finding ways to smuggle in like you know, drugs and solitary. It's like a fucking wild experience, but just absolutely brutal. And 
It's like a whole. There's like a whole like fucking ecosystem going on in there. Yeah, it's it's terrible though. So it's, it's terrible. just like a small room. You don't have anything. It's like nine by eight, like a toilet and a sink and like a bunk bed, and you can yeah. be alone. You can be with somebody. Yeah, and it's like whatever they think you like less. I guess is what they're gonna do. They, true, true. Do they give you anything? Like you can have literally anything there uh, with you. You can have up to two books a week, which okay. is like crazy because like when you have nothing else to do, you're gonna read a book a day. Yeah. Like, yep. No matter like how curious you are, you just like literally have nothing else to do. You're just, just going to read. So yeah, like sure. two days are killed by reading. And then like, that's it. You just do a shitload of burpees and <laughs> I would literally run in place. So I would just like sit there and just fucking just like stare at the cell door and just like yeah. jog in place for two hours every day. Work on your health, bro. Holy yeah. Fuck it. it. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Like mentally, what yeah, the yeah, yeah. fuck is going on in your head? Like I can't imagine sitting in this place for fucking two days straight. Yeah. Not leaving, let alone just helpless concrete. Sad and like no light, not being able to see outside. They didn't let you outside at all. So you're supposed to go to like a small cage outside like, that has like a cover for an hour a day. But COVID was a great excuse that we couldn't go outside. Oh my nice. god, so it makes a lot of sense, right? Nice, <laughs> nice. You can't go outside when COVID. Yeah, there, even so. like, were you, were you, did you have a therapist or anyone in there that you were able to talk to? No, like nothing. No, they would bring. If you asked for like mental health, they would bring you like a word search puzzle, like made for like a second grader. Oh my like, god, like, come you on, like, you come can't on. Make this so up. mentally, it was it was tough. It, it's brutal. And yeah. what's the food like in there? I'm curious. It's like it's terrible, but it's like, <laughs> but it's not, you know. You, like at that point, like that's the least of your concerns. Yeah, like, true. Sure, sure, there's never really enough, and you're always like a little hungry. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like that's actually not the biggest, yeah, the yeah. biggest issue. It's like the lack of like freedom. And when they would take you out to like have a hearing or whatever, even like looking at the window and like seeing a tree, it's like you would just like stop and stare after a few months. It's like for Fuck, sure, I haven't yeah. seen a fucking tree in months. <laughs> this is crazy. And well, were were you going like back and forth in and out of hearings the like whole time? Maybe three or four and seven months, and not court hearings. This is for like internal jail oh. disciplinary processes like oh okay yeah just to, like what make sure like hey like you're doing well like no it's more of like hey like here's what we're gonna you know charge you with and then oh. like oh, okay like are you guilty or you're not guilty and like, yeah like they have like a internal hearing system and I when guess. you're in solitary or i guess just in prison in general like uh how often is your family or anybody allowed to come see you like, uh what? so the issue was covid shut down visits for almost two years fuck so Holy, oh so you got fucked yeah like, so the, the covid fucked. part was tough because there was no visits um, in the shoe in solitary, they call it the shoe. You're supposed to have one phone call a month for 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But since I did the podcast, they took that away from me. Nice. So I had like seven months of just like no. So seven months of just no one even knowing what the fuck was going on with you. You could do letters, and I think my mail was held sometimes. Sometimes it wasn't. But, okay. You know, so I could do letters occasionally. So when you, so when you came out, was there anything that like you're like, holy fuck, this the world has changed a bit, or I didn't know that this was happening, like. I don't know, like fucking TikTok. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I where my, you just like, holy shit, what's happening? My biggest shock is when I got transferred to like a different jail and people yeah. were all like on their phones and everything. I guess OnlyFans had really like sprouted up. <laughs> for sure, COVID. for sure. Classic. And, dude, I, I wish I had footage of like me just being so confused by this OnlyFans. <laughs> like, not her. Oh shit, no, not her too. And like, and the guy's looking like an idiot. It's like, dude, like what the fuck? Everybody's on this right now. Yeah. And I am just utterly shocked. I missed that whole wave in the whole. Because yeah, so, the, because those years that were like, there was a lot of change happening in society with online world and yeah. just like, th- just our freedoms. It's everything, right? Like, so like that must have been a, like a mind fuck for you too. Like, wow, like what did I miss out? It was all online. I'm pretty sure yeah. like the stuff that you were missing out on, but was that like a mind fuck for you? Or like, what did I miss out on while I was gone? It was kind of weird. And like the OnlyFans thing was just crazy. Like yeah. girls who used to have crushes on before who I thought were like the most proper girls. <laughs> yep. on there. I'm like, what? They're all on it. They're all on it. Like, <laughs> yep. People get, getting mad at me for not understanding. Yep. That was different. But 
I think it was like the disconnect from reality. Yeah. Um, I had newspapers coming in for a stretch in the solitary confinement phase, and it was around Christmas time. And the Wall Street Journal, there was like this three-quarters page spread trying to help people deal with the anxiety of going to a wine store and having so many options. <laughs> and like, I was getting so mad. I'm like, do you realize there's probably a hundred guys in this like hallway that would cut off literally their leg to be able to go to a wine store right yep. now? Yeah. And like, you're dedicating one of the most like widely read newspapers in New York City yeah. about anxiety from going to a wine store. <laughs> well, it's, it's and, definitely like, a softer... disconnect from yeah, yeah. Like, it's, what's happening. It's, it's crazy. definitely a softer society now, I yeah, would say. The, so- yeah. the whole like woke, soft culture. Of yeah. course. It's like, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> I know. Fucking, <laughs> there's, bigger, there's bigger problems out there, right? That's what, that's what I guess you noticed as well. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm coming out of here, people complaining about wine options. I was just in solitary <laughs> confinement <laughs> for fucking eight months. <laughs> right? Trying to see a treat right now. Like, <laughs> um, this, may, this may be a stupid question, to be honest, because... Um, I just don't know how it works. So when you first got um, charged, mm-hmm. is was there not an option that you could just claim bankruptcy? Is that a stupid question? So <laughs> basically, I owe twenty six odd million dollars. Yeah. to the quote victims who okay. they are victims. They're basically the investors who lost money on the festival yeah. and like totally rightfully owed. And that does not that's bankruptcy proof. So okay. like no matter what happens. I owe that money. Yeah. And like, I owe it until it's Is it paid. because it was personally, like you were personally liable? No, since it was a criminal charge. Okay. So True. it's technically not like a civil liability. It's a criminal liability. And that's a difference. So it's like, if you get sued and you lose, it's totally different yeah. because I was convicted of a criminal offense to get yes. that money. So therefore it's like owed forever. And, and in yeah. terms of like the payment and the structure and how you pay that back, like, how does that work? Because I feel like if you're making money, do you decide how much you're giving every time or is there a payment no, structure good, built out? Good or? question. So it's basically a percentage of income. Okay. And it different kind of income actually has different percentages and it's like, it's it's cumbersome. Yeah, you know? okay. It's not tax deductible either. So it's like, <laughs> like you're paying it and then you're plus you're paying taxes on top of that. Yes. So it's, it's not easy. Yeah. Right? You, like, me- you even mentioned, I think it was on the Piers Morgan interview. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that even if the festival happened, you would still go to jail. Still be in jail. Yeah, I, yeah. I lied to the investors to get the money. And this is like the biggest misconception that I think the public doesn't believe or understand. Okay. Is that even if the event worked, I'm still going to jail. I'm like still doing the same like amount of time in jail really? because I lied to investors to get the money to try to do the festival. Okay, but let's say this. Let's say you got the money and did the festival, but they actually made their money back. Yeah. You would still... I think at the end of the day, the crime was still committed. Yeah. So mm. I just don't know enough about it if I would still be like investigated as heavily or whatever, but... True. Yeah. Maybe the investors very, would be less... I was not very sophisticated like criminal, right? It's like yeah. pretty black and white. Like I just like lied and there was, there was no... It didn't take anybody very much time to figure out like there was a crime committed have here. you yeah. have you connected with anybody i know i know you did with yeah. andy yeah you've connected with yeah, andy that was hilarious <laughs> shout out andy bro uh, unreal. <laughs> andy, unreal andy came up for a few days to new york oh yeah how was place. it how was it to reconnect with him oh it was great yeah you know, like just hearing the stories from his side yeah for the first time mm. were wild and you know i was in jail when the documentaries came out i never watched them and you kind of hear like this public narrative get formed. Yes. And we all have our own version of events, right? Yeah. And like our stories are all a little bit different where we all think we're the main characters and the shit <laughs> happens. But to hear like directly from his mouth, like the version of events from him and comparing that to like how I viewed the events, yep. which is like really, really fun for me. And yeah. different for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's like different, like fun psychology too. But but outside of Andy, have you reconnected with anybody? Has anyone reached out to you or anything like that? It's like every week I feel like someone else reaches out. True, and okay. It's been like this weird process where... I don't know if I should be like salty that it's taken people seven months or yeah. should I be like, hey, I fucked up so bad uh-huh. that I should be so grateful yeah. you're even giving me this chance. 
Like that's kind of like the mental challenge. That chance, chance in the sense of like just to be able to converse, or chance in the sense of like, hey, let's let's go for a round two or, or another business venture. I think just conversing. Like okay. If you have a friend that like really does wrong by you, mm-hmm. and like you should be mad, right? For sure. And I think I had this like idea in jail where I know how much hell I've been through. So the second I step out, people are going to give me a second chance. And like, it wasn't, that wasn't the reality. True. It just took months to, you know, get one chance. And it hasn't been everybody yet. It's still been a small percentage of it. Yeah. But I've been trying to like come to terms like, hey, this is going to be a really, really long road to have any shot at like redemption. Yeah. Well, that, that, well that, that was my next question was like coming out. What was the outside of obviously like everyone with a podcast mm-hmm. or a TV show wanting to talk to you? Mm-hmm. Outside of that, what, what what has it been like in the business world and in the, in the world of entrepreneurship? Have opportunities come very easily? Have you found it hard? Like, like what's that situation been like for you? I think the first couple of months, people are really scared to touch me. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are entrepreneurs, and I feel like entrepreneurs are the most forgiving. Yeah. And they would take, like, ideas to their board and they would have some, you know, old investment firm or fund or investment manager. And, like, you just know what, like, this risk is just not worth it to us. Yep. And it took a few months before like we got the first chance. Okay. So now I feel like I finally in the spot where I have a few chances and I need yeah. to fucking deliver. Yeah. So yeah. Like yeah. 100%. In the next couple of months, I have, you know, things that we've been working on and like they'll come to fruition and like we're going to see what happens. Yeah. But it was just so much harder to get that chance than I thought. Sure. And people just like people are so risk adverse and especially people who control and have access to a lot of funds, they're going to behave very differently than someone who's trying to make funds for the first time. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's True. Just hard. I hear you. So even going, let's let's go back a bit then. Let's go before the festival because you're you're an entrepreneur. You were kind of into like you had the Magnesis card, right? So like you were into hospitality, right? I would say so. Sure. Your events yeah. and hospitality. We were in the same thing. We were in nightlife as well. So we know the power of network, leveraging things to get something else. So talk to us about the the start of your career in a, as an entrepreneur yeah. and and. I guess what you learned the first few years with Magnesis and stuff like that about, let's say, hospitality and, and you know, servicing people and connecting people and networking with people, because that's what we're all about, too. We can yep. come from that background as well. So I started early on, uh, started in middle school with a social network that I basically built, you know, out of my family's house and oh, damn. ended up <laughs> basically starting a couple of really small companies in middle school and high school and went to college with a suitcase full of cash. And nice. like now I was 18, I'd never lived away from home and it's like, was kind of sheltered, like lived in the suburbs. I didn't really live in a big city. So okay. hadn't experienced like nightclubs or bars yet. And it's like, just started going wild. I'm like, wait, <laughs> I can like go to clubs and buy a table and people think I'm cool for like yep. two hours. Like, yep. This is a great feeling. Like, <laughs> yep. I'm 18 years old. And all these like girls are finally looking at me like, yep. like what's happening here? And just like went wild for six months yeah. and blew all of my cash like in the first, first <laughs> yep. semester of college. And now I'm like, fuck. And after the money went away, I literally felt like the freedom was just like zapped from me. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, I need that freedom back. Yeah. And it started this path that was never about the money. It was about the freedom that I felt for those first six months at school when I was like running around the country. Yeah. And so I started programming again my freshman year of college and started my first like real startup company okay. and then ended up dropping out for it. And like that just started this whole chain of crazy events. Yeah, I mean, even in terms of the entrepreneurship, like you said, you said you started a bunch of companies. Like, what was inspiring this to happen? Like, who was inspiring you? Did mm-hmm. did your family have an entrepreneurship background? Talk to us about I that. I think it was bit. all like technology. Okay. Um, I got a computer for Christmas in fifth grade, so like nice. I think eight or nine years old, and 
like high speed internet was just coming to the suburbs. So yeah. I got this computer with high speed internet. I'm eight or nine. I'm growing up in like a relatively like strict suburban household. Yeah. And now I have the whole world at my fingertips. Like yeah. no one really understands what's happening in the internet yet. Like the older generation like doesn't quite get the potency of it. Mm-hmm. And that was my way to explore. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, I can live as a nine or 10 year old with no rules if I can like learn to build these really like basic rudimentary websites. So I just started building shit. And like, that was the way I could build something without someone looking over my shoulder and telling me like what was acceptable and what was okay. So you were actually building the tech like behind yep. these startups. Just started programming and like, wow. like no longer good at it, but like started and I got good enough where I can make something happen. Yeah. And like good enough to make products for my like 13, 14, 15 year old, like, you know, cohort as I got older. Does, then, does, does yeah. your family come from money in any way? Not really. They're like, no. you know, middle class, okay. New Jersey. So like yeah, yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing crazy. No, I, 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 yeah. The only reason I ask is because I feel like uh, a lot of times when you're just middle class, come from middle class or let's say lower, like that's when you're a little more hungry mm-hmm. for the money, right? To go like to, to different lengths, greater yeah. lengths. But in terms of then you, you, you come to New York, you blow your money and you're like, I need to do this all over again. Yeah. At what point does any, let's say entrepreneur or, or bigger, uh, bigger entrepreneur or mentor come in and say, hey, like I can fund what you're doing. And what project was it? So I was at college, which okay. is actually in Pennsylvania, like in rural Pennsylvania, which I hated, yeah. uh, like middle of nowhere, like some small like liberal arts school. And I was building this company up and I really get home for my summer break after my freshman year. And I like skipped all my classes and my report card came in the mail. My parents saw it. Yeah. And like, you're going to quit this first company, which is called Spling uh-huh. or else, you know, we're not going to support you anymore and you have to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, I'm out. And they gave me like 72 hours and I literally had, you know, a few hundred dollars like left at this point of spending money. Okay. And I knew I was good at one thing and that was like reciting these memorized speeches. Okay. I like taken this like speech class in college and participated in this like venture plan competition at school. I just like crushed all the older kids. Okay. So I knew I was good at one thing. So I went online. I'm like, where can I find like a pitch competition? Mm. I had no idea like what a venture capitalist really was. I had no idea what an angel investor was. And I found this pitch competition in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Took the train there, gave a speech against all these like 40 year old like guys who are all kind of boring as fuck. Yeah. And the audience was like all fake. It was all like service providers trying to sell you shit. And I had no money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like one guy comes up to me and hands me a business card. And on one side of the card, it says professional angel investor. And like, there are very few people Here in the world, like tens of millions of dollars who would like ever make a business card like yep. that. Like this was the one guy <laughs> yeah. wow. and he was real. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> and he was real. And he goes to me like, Hey, you know, Billy, I'm interested. Like, uh, I live in New Jersey. Where are you from? And like, he lived 15 minutes from me. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. He's like, send me your pitch deck. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll send it to you tonight. I had no idea what a pitch deck was. (laughs) So now I'm back in the train. I'm on my Blackberry. I don't even have an iPhone yet. I'm the Blackberry, like Googling, what is a pitch deck? (laughs) Get home to like my bedroom. I have like a day or two to get out of the house. I send him over this like terrible PowerPoint. He bings me at like 5 a.m. He's like, Billy, this is shit. Meet me in Starbucks at my town. It's like 15 minutes away. Okay. I get to Starbucks and the guy gives me a hundred K check with no paperwork at the Starbucks. Wow. And come on. I had no like account to deposit it in, like drove back in my childhood car with his check. I'm like, all right, I'm out bitches. That's crazy. What do you think? He, he just really That's believed crazy. in you and, and what you were, what were you, you were he, standing he turned for? Out, he's like a legendary angel investor. He actually died when I was in jail, which is Fuck. crazy. Oh, yeah. His name is John Ason, but you uh-huh. know, he had a crazy portfolio and like, one of a kind guy. Yeah. And he said one thing to me. He goes like, it's too early to figure anything out, but I trust that you'll give me the same terms that you give the first venture capitalist that invests in you. 
It ended up happening like two months later. You got the same terms and like it wow. all kind of came true. But yeah, it was like a fuck. wild experience where we're literally like in the suburban Starbucks. Crazy. And it's like dressing in like a whipped up like ripped windbreaker. He looks like homeless, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just like really whipped out his checkbook, right? It's a hundred K check. Like no way is gonna like clear. What's your what's your time. feeling? You get that hundred K. Like what was the that f- the biggest amount like you've ever been given at that time? Yeah, I think in like one spot like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I was 19. Wow. Not yet, just turned 19. Uh-huh. So I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, no <laughs> contracts, like, no promises. And that's I, crazy. I met this guy last night in Philadelphia. <laughs> he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> and he's just a beast. What do you do with the 100K, though? The boys are back in NYC. We're in Soho right now. We got a bunch of episodes planned, a lot of content planned. But before we get into all the content, we got to shout out Casania at Mike Casania on Instagram. Luxury property rentals. All right. They hooked us up. You got to see this place. It's a multi-million dollar condo, four bedrooms, three baths, 20 foot ceilings throughout the whole place. All right. The boys had a good time. All the guests that came by loved it. So let's check it out. Welcome. You got the boys here? Guys, look at this spot, bro. Look at this fucking spot. Casamia also has locations in Miami and LA. This place does suit me, bro. All right. So, follow Casania at my Casania on Instagram. All right. Um, hit them up if you need any sort of luxury properties for any of your travels. Um, they're super accommodating, super welcoming, and they have the best hospitality. All right. Check them out um, and enjoy all the content that we did this week. All right. Out. We out. I literally like went around driving around to Chase Banks until I can get a bank account opened up. Okay. Put it in. They're all kind of looking at me, thinking it's a fake check and. For sure. The money cleared and like, fuck it, I'm out. That's and crazy. Ended up applying to a bunch of like startup incubator programs. Yeah. yeah. Got accepted to one where they gave us like another small check and some office space. Yep. Got my first apartment and the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah, yeah man. And, and I mean, obviously you're good at, at selling. Like mm-hmm. you're good at selling yourself. You're good at selling an idea. So what what advice would you give to like a younger entrepreneur when it comes to, you know, selling some sort of investor on their on their dream or their idea? So I think it's like finding what you are good at and going all in at that. Like at 19, I was totally unrefined. I didn't know how to pitch an investor. I didn't even know what a fucking pitch deck was. Yeah. (laughs) But I knew that I could write something pretty good, like a decent writer and really good at memorizing. So I can go memorize this like 10 minute speech and like sound like a fucking polished Because you're saying it so confidently. Yeah. Just like just good at that one weird thing of like memorizing stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's like, let me go find somewhere where I can go and like recite something. And it's like, like focus on that one angle. I met this guy and he overlooked everything else. He overlooked my like, you know, rawness. He overlooked my inability to make a pitch deck yeah. because I was good at one thing. So I think it's like realizing what you're good at and it's like running at that until you have enough resources to basically learn everything else. Yeah. So from, from that moment, that, is that when Magnesis is born? So this company is called Spling. Okay. And I started, it started as a social network in my dorm room, just okay. like, thinking back to what worked in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it ended up switching where record labels and TV networks that John had introduced me to, like John, the, the, uh, the investor, mm-hmm. they started buying the software to use to organize all their content on their websites. Okay. And that's how Magnesis eventually came to be because I was just like programming nerd. Yeah. And now like, you know, Def Jam and A&E and Discovery yeah. Channel, like they're paying me for software. And then meeting all of these people and these companies that were just like an idea on television as a kid. And like, now I'm in their offices as a 19 year old in New York City. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, my friends who are like in their middle of nowhere colleges right now would never believe what's happening to me. Yeah. yeah. And that's how Magnesis was eventually born, was trying to give those experiences 
to like my peers who just didn't know these worlds existed. Yes, which was which was really cool, and I, mm -hmm. I liked how you structured that. Um, it's very similar to how we do things too. We have an agency back home in Toronto, okay. where we like to we like to leverage content, we like to leverage relationships. Mm -hmm. So I think you were doing the same thing, right? You were t saying venues were saying, "Oh, I want you to bring your community here," and your power was the exactly. community itself, and then the content that would come behind it, right? Exactly. So maybe talk about how important, I guess, leveraging uh, your relationships and and your resources was at that time. So I get asked like on a weekly basis now from people who are trying to start membership clubs how to do it, <laughs> and I think like the I don't know how to do it again. I think yeah. the one thing that I did know what was right is before you have the network and the community, which is the long-term value, you need to give the customers something they can't get without you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And with Magnesis, that was two things. One, we gave them a black metal credit card that actually worked. So it took their shitty plastic card with $500 in it from their local bank. And now they're running around with this like thick black card and like yeah. getting everybody's attention. And then two is I rented a space that you know kind of looked like this food box away in Soho, where if you had the card, you can go to. Anytime you want. Anytime you want it. So now as like a 22-year-old, you can get this black card that you probably can't get without me, and you have access to this multi-million dollar space that you certainly don't have without me. Yeah. So that gave us enough where people wanted it, and they started like signing up in mass, and then the community became the real value. So yeah. it really all starts like, what can you give before the community that provides them like tangible value from day one? Which is cool, because I think that that there's a lot of like membership programs and stuff nowadays. It's just based online though, yeah. really. Right. And I think that, yeah, it'd be hard to do that again. Like the whole physical aspect of events mm -hmm. and networking has kind of like gone away because of the pandemic and stuff yep. like that. So yeah, that, that's, but that's is what, that, is that what, is that what led you into Firefest? Like, is that, was that kind of the, um, engine that kind of yeah, so like, led to the idea? Magnesis was fucking like, it was a machine. We yeah. had, Offices in three cities. We were in New York, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco. Damn. You know, I had like 35 employees at its peak. You know, we were hitting million-dollar, like, revenue months. Like, we were raised venture capital money. Like, we were, like, a real, yeah, a, a real business. And we just started booking. Like, like Magnesis is my tool to do everything I wished I could as a 13-year-old. Yeah. And, like, now making it a reality. And I grew up just, like, loving rap. Yeah. So I'm like, wait, now I have a company, and I can justify, like, booking rappers that <laughs> I, I want to meet? Like, yeah. hell yeah. So. Yeah. Started just throwing these small private concerts for our Magnesis members. It's like as a way to just give value and acquire new customers. Yeah. I was like, just booking rappers. So after booking maybe 15 or 20 artists, I was getting so pissed that I was like semi credible and that a lot of like the agents and managers like knew I had money. They knew the events went well. They knew my like target audience was like harmless. It just like made sense. Yeah. Yet it was so hard to get these offers in front of the talent. And I was stuck in this like game of like lying middleman, like the cousin to the mom to the yeah. sister who are like, you got to pay 20 people yeah, just, exactly. to, just to get a no. And, like, it's like <laughs> such, it's all bullshit. You're not paying the same price as like the next guy. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, technology can really change this. And, like, mm -hmm. I need to build an app where every idiot like me can go <laughs> directly into the artist's pocket. Yep. Because imagine if the artist can wake up and be like, all right, I have seven corporate offers this weekend. Like, let me take the best one. Yep. Yeah. And they all want that. That's what started the fire app. Which, which is a really good idea, to be honest. Like, we were in events as well. We were doing yeah. some bigger scale events. Obviously, nothing like a festival, but we always had that issue, too. We're like, how the fuck are we going to book this talent? We're trying to DM them, trying to message this person. Message. So that, that was a good idea. I'm surprised no one's, like, still been able to perfect. I don't yeah. know. No, maybe no I'm wrong, but I don't think anyone's been able to so. perfect that idea yet. I think the problem is that the entertainment industry is, like, built off of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because, like, the more accessible someone is the lower their perceived value. True. So it's like, we need to keep them hard to get 
to keep their value high, but at the same time, we need to be available enough that we can make money. So it's kind of like this weird dilemma. Yeah, it's it might, it might be like, actually. Yeah, it's even like it might work maybe for like mid-tier artists yep. that need the bookings, right? Mm -hmm. And then as opposed to like a Snoop Dogg or something who's gonna just be like, ah, yeah, but like imagine know. you had the opportunity to just send Drake an offer. Yeah, yeah. Like here's a fifty million dollar. But offer. I don't even think Drake would want that. But well, that's there, what he's there, saying, right? There, yeah. there, there, there's like a level. There is someone out there. I promise you, there's someone out there right now who has an offer for Drake that Drake would take. That's what he doesn't know about. to get there. Like, bro, like a, a, a Saudi prince is yeah. like, I have a hundred million dollars to come play at my kid's <laughs> 15th yeah. birthday. Like, Drake would take that offer if it got to him. It could be some, you know, billionaire from Latin America who has a new tequila brand. He's like, I'll give you $50 million to put it in one music video. And yes. he will say yes, but yeah. like, he just doesn't have, you know, the knowledge to make that happen. Yeah. And so I think I really like like the artists who are past their prime. They just need volume. Yes. Right. And like, yes. it's great for them. Yeah. And like, they'd probably make a high percentage of income from this, but even the biggest people for the one-offs, why not? There are yeah. people out there who, who want to book them. They just don't know how to do it. And yeah. I, I'm sure you guys have seen at every level, it's like, oh, you know, I want to get in touch with you. Like, oh, yeah, I would have loved to do it. Oh, like, do that. Like, all no, the time. You have nobody to do that it. That has happened a hundred times. Well, I would have done it with Derek. Yeah, we, we, our, our, like, our previous guest, he's like, we were like, yeah, we actually sent an offer $30, for 30K US yeah. for 30 minutes. And he's like, I never got that offer. Yeah. It's like, but we like gave if I knew about team. it, I would have taken it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like, same. It's same. That's the same problem. <laughs> and he's like, he was like on his way up. It's not like he was massive or anything yeah. like that. He was local and then he got signed to XO. So he was getting some steam, but like he would have taken the offer. Of course. Yeah. Who yeah. Wouldn't? 30K, 30 minutes. <laughs> like, you know what I think the good business would be? To build a platform to streamline podcast guests for a lot of like the new podcasts. Yep. They could maybe pay like a monthly fee and you like, you get them, you know, a few guests a month. Yep. I know. Are we onto something here, Billy? Yeah, what are we doing? Are we onto something here? We got an incubator in here. We got a little incubator in here right now. <laughs> because like as, as it becomes easier and easier to create content, right? There's all these podcasts, and yeah. it's gonna be harder and harder to get guests. Yep. Yeah. And like, there's a guy with a microphone who has a few thousand bucks, but he doesn't have the knowledge to reach True. out and get someone True. like you guys to show up on the show. So. So you have so Magnesis is is killing it. You're monetizing on. Yep. On many levels, I guess at that point, right? Subscriptions—is that how you're monetizing that? So we charge an annual subscription fee. Okay. And we also charge brands to basically advertise to them, like yeah. you know, like a Soul Cycle would pay us and be like, "Hey, let's do one class a week just for your members, and we'll give you guys like a marketing sponsorship fee for that Sick. class." And yeah. then also like the venues, if they wanted you to come, they would pay you yeah, like exactly. a hosting fee kind exactly. of thing. Yeah, like the best ones wouldn't pay, and like they're good for us because like people would sign up, and then like the brands that needed the the attention, they would pay. So you guys get the game. So yeah, then, yeah. so then from there, that's when you start Fire. It's not Fire. Fest yet it's the fire app. It's the app so it's fire app yeah it's like i am booking all these music artists and i kind of started falling for like the glitz of the entertainment world at this point yeah and now i have you know thousands of 20 something year olds who like think i'm cool and like kind of got bored with that and it's like wait <laughs> like i think j-lo's cool like, <laughs> yeah, how, yeah. how can i be like that like fuck these guys like <laughs> and i was just like being a total asshole and kind of like lost sight of what was fueling all of this yeah. and like thought that I could like take that jump before I was really ready. We call step. it getting lost in the sauce. Getting lost that's in what, the sauce. That's I, what, I like it. I like yeah. to get lost. So at, at what age are you at that point when, when it's like the bridge between uh, fire and, and magnesium? So I'm like 23, 24. That's the age where you get lost in the sauce. Yeah, yeah. So that's like it's like classic. starting to make a couple bucks, like starting to get invited to cool shit. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know what? Like these magnesium members are great, but <laughs> I'm not working 80 hours a week in a bank. Like, you know, being pale as fuck, like I want to take this next step. <laughs> True. Here. So like, what else is out there? And, and you mentioned a lot about uh, about le you like building teams as well. Yep. It's something you enjoy yes. doing. So, um, 
you were building the teams for Magnesis. At, at that point, like how many people were working for you and we, what was your role? Yeah, we had 30. I, I was like still the CEO of Magnesis at this point. Cool. And we had 35 employees. Okay. And I think like I'm just like really bad at financial management and just like <laughs> grow to, I probably could have had 10 employees. Yeah. Okay. And, and then like would have been fine, but it's like hiring too fast. I was trying to be like too nice to everybody. True. Like, just want to be liked, didn't know how to say no. And there's this glamour of like, glamour. oh, I have 35 yeah. employees. Oh, you need like, a job? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I got, <laughs> I got you, you yeah. bro. Come on we'll in. give you 100K. Uh, here's our office. Uh, here's the computer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, love See it. See you at dinner night. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and what, did, what did you like about, about building a team? What did you like about it? I think like the, the camaraderie of mm. fighting for something yeah. that people are pushing back against yeah. is like the biggest beauty in life. Yeah. And it's kind of like a weird thing in jail where you make a lot of close relationships because like, when you're so oppressed by someone mm-hmm. or like told no by someone, you just form a great bond when you're fighting against that. I think like on the extreme, extreme example, like people who go to war, right? Like yeah. some of their closest relationships, the ones like they go and fight with. Yeah. I think like all aspects of life is like when you're up against something that you shouldn't be able to do is when you form like the deepest relationships. True. And, I like and that. So I, I want to just go back to the story a little bit now, yeah. like your, your timeline. Um, you're running the app. The app is doing well, I'm assuming, to some, to some extent. And sorry, even the monetization of the app, are you just taking a percentage of the booking? So we would just charge the buyers an extra 10%. Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, if you had a 30K offer and went through, the buyer would be paying an extra $3,000. And Dope. that was it. Yeah. And how does the idea for the festival come to be? Happy Dad is available at a lot of your local bars and restaurants. You might even find it at some saloons. If you've enjoyed a Happy Dad, then you know it goes well with your burger, your wings, pizza, and steak. <laughs> People in California eat it with their sushi, too. Go to happydad.com slash find to find a bar or restaurant near you so you can watch the games with the boys. So the app was brand new, like okay. really, really, really new. Yeah. Maybe like a month or two in. And I basically had this idea that we need access. I can find talent, but I need access to buyers. So I went out to like 12, you know, over the hill rappers basically gave them money and said, I want all of your bookings for 18 months. So every time someone emails you or calls you, that lead needs to get forwarded to me and they need to book you through fire. And the idea is we want to get like all the small nightclubs, like all the restaurants, because they're not booking just you. They're booking somebody, you know, every four weeks. So like four weeks later, they're going to come back to us. We own that customer forever. Yes. So I started doing that. And meanwhile, for maybe two to three years, I was like literally started this like small airline called Magnesis Air. And I was taking Magnesis members to the Bahamas. So oh, this is all kind of happening behind the scenes, like quietly okay. throughout Magnesis' time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I'm trying to sell these wrappers. I'm like, hmm, for Magnesis, I had a space and a card and no one else had that. And that's where I signed up. These wrappers, they don't have a private island, but they all want to be like Jay-Z, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going after Jay-Z. I'm going after like the B-list, B-list rappers. I'm like, okay. So if I take them to a private island, their record label or their management can never afford this shit, right? Mm, true. So that, that was like my hack to get them to sign up for fire. Okay. So I started taking them to the islands of the Bahamas. Okay. And so now all of a sudden it became like music artists, like Magnesis members, like my childhood friends that I was flexing to. Yes. Like literally one of my childhood friends just goes like, dude, you just need to do like a music festival here for all the Magnesis members. And that was the start of fire festival. And that Damn. was it. And, and at that point, you're just, the islands and stuff, like you didn't purchase one yet or anything like that. Like you were just going to them. At this point, I was just like literally renting like complete islands. Wow. We ended up trying to buy like it, like within the four months of fire festival was like the most ridiculous, I think, time of. Because I think in Firefest it mentions that you bought an island. So 
He literally said, like, hey, you should do a, you should do a music festival here for your Magnesium members. Mm-hmm. This is in, like, September now of 2016. Okay. And then I'm like, okay, fuck. So I tell him, like, my local guy has been, like, my right-hand man for a couple of years. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be back in two weeks with a couple million bucks, and uh, we're going to make this shit happen. So he's like, yeah, 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 sure. So <laughs> two weeks later, I show up with two million bucks. I'm like, all right, let's buy a fucking island. So Jeez, we agreed man. to buy one for, like, 11 million, like, put down a little deposit, and, like, they started fucking going. And like, all right, wait, we need like girls to help sell this thing. So <laughs> yeah. we started calling girls and like started filming these trips for a couple of months. Yeah. And like in December, it's like literally three, three months later in December, we announced the fire Festival like with that trailer that become, has become infamous. Who's, whose idea I got to know because the marketing for mm. the festival, yeah. like especially the launch, the orange yeah. square, like who's, whose idea was that? So I think with anything, it's like, 10 of us in our conference room, okay. all calling each other idiots, all yelling at each other. Yeah. The idea is like comes out way better than any individual idea. Okay. I think what made it really work was the diversity of the talent that posted at the same time. Like mm-hmm. you had a NFL football player, a comedian, a supermodel, a rapper. Yeah. And like you're following all these people, but like they don't know each other. So you're like a regular consumer on your phone. It's like, how the fuck? Are yeah. these people all connected with this orange tile? Yeah. If it was just like Kim Kardashian posting it, she didn't post. But if it was just her, it's like, okay, it's some fucking ad. Yes. But if it's like her and a hundred other people who like don't necessarily like fit the same mold, yeah. that creates like the intrigue. So I think that was like what really made it go was like the weirdness of who was posting. Yeah, it was, a, it was fucking, yeah. it was genius. And then the <laughs> fact that it was just like pretty much no branding also was like, what the, That's the fuck? mystery behind That's it. What right? the yeah. fuck is this? Like, That's what the is mystery this? behind it? Yeah. And yeah. at that point, like, are you are you involved with the marketing of it? Like, are you giving ideas or are you just overseeing your team? So like, I think like I was always kind of the marketing person, like okay. Magnesis and Fire, and just like always trying to pump shit out. And I think that I was really nervous about getting like the top talent for the orange tile. So I invited like the 12 biggest people to the island that weekend. Yep. Yeah. It's like, all right, like literally like I took a whiteboard on this like remote island. <laughs> There's like 12 of the top, you know, supermodels in the world, like 50 support staff and nobody else. I take this whiteboard. I'm like, all right, guys, you're going to post this and we're not leaving until this is done. Yeah. <laughs> I said, said this all there. And we post this video. Right? We post the orange tile. We post a video at the same time. Like we literally have our video editors like on the island, like trying to upload it. Like it's all just like I'm going to shit and like nothing <laughs> happens. And I was so depressed. And I poured this like big pasta. I go in the beach all alone. <laughs> I'm eating this. I'm like, oh, I failed. I failed. Like I just like get drunk by myself. I'm like crash in bed, you know. But nothing, but nothing happened in, in, in the sense of what? Like, like the first like hour or two. It's like. Oh, like no sales you're saying? Yeah. It's like, it was too ambiguous, right? Like no one really knew what was happening. For sure. And like, then I wake up like eight hours later. It's like really like we fucking sold out. I think like, the media picked it up, yeah. right? The yeah, media like, picked it up and like people started understanding what it meant. It's like really like gotta fucking wake up we, we've got an issue right now yeah. like, and i don't think we can service all these people I'm like wait what how much money have we made though like, <laughs> so at, at that at that point like when when you have that initial campaign with the supermodels yeah. was there any plan towards the festival at that point yet or you're kind of just like let's see what happens from this so we said in the video that we're doing so this is the video comes out mid-december we say at the end of april is the festival so four and a half months away crazy we've done crazy. we've done very little legwork like agreed to buy an island the people on like surrounding islands agreed to like give us houses and let us come by and like whatever, like very preliminary shit. Mm-hmm. And then the video drops. Okay. And the rest is history. So all that yeah. money, what, what was the amount? How much did you guys garner off of sales off of that first eight hours or whatever it was? So the problem was we like, we made our first tickets too cheap and we sold a <laughs> shitload of cheap tickets. Mm. So I'm like, shut that shit off. 
And okay. we just kept adding more expensive packages. Yes. People kept buying it. Like, has it, has it, like, okay, all right, let's put a quarter million dollar package and see what happens. Like, all right, some guy from Texas just bought it. Fuck, who's this guy? No, no idea. All right, let's make a more expensive package. Come we just on. kept like upping the packages over time. Which is, what was which the is most wild. expensive package you guys offered? Uh, I think like on the website, we offered one for 500K. But we had a, like a number of people who would call us like customer requests. Like, all right, I want to bring my 36 friends and like our three yachts. And like, we need this, this, and this. And like, we had a lot of like custom, you know, in orders. the back end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, up, like if you're of... a billionaire, like you don't want to buy what everybody else has. Right. True. So you're like, true. I need something that no one else is getting. Like, so like, I don't want an artist pass. I want my pass. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. even even before we, we go on with the festival, like how did you and Ja Rule mm-hmm. connect? How, so I, how did that happen? I booked him for a Magnesis okay. concert. Okay. And... Literally, like, this is where it all kind of came to light because I was frustrated. It was so hard, and I heard so many lies from middlemen before, like, I actually booked him. Okay. And then I paid him, like, in cash when I met him. Okay. And the guy that I booked him from showed up, and he was pissed that I paid him because he had told a John a different number oh, it's cheap. than, okay. like, you told me, right? Okay. So then, like, I'm in the middle of this. Like, they're arguing. Like, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, like, I want to see how bad I'm getting ripped off here. Yeah. Like, this makes no fucking sense. And then I go to him, like, wait, why have you fucking, why did you turn down my last, like, you know, five offers? Like, I didn't turn down shit. And, like, the Damn. fact that he didn't know about the real dollar amount and that he didn't see my offers for a number of months, like, this makes no fucking sense. Yeah. So I said to him on the spot, okay, we got to fucking do something to, to change this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It took a couple of years to come to fruition, but that's where it all started. Oh. And, how does, and how does he end up getting involved in the festival at that point? So we started the fire app together. Oh, he was oh, involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was okay. a partner on the fire Sick. app. Well, I mean, yeah. that's it's yeah. a st- strategic partner to have an artist. Yeah, so involved. basically, like we're just like fire app partners, and uh, the it's festival just became like a natural, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. sub company of the of the app company. Yeah, he's like, probably loving it, like you said. Like, oh, you could tell him. No, no, no offense, no offense to him, but over the, when you say over the hill yeah, rapper, yeah. I'm like, okay, it makes sense. That's pretty much Jaw Rule. So this guy's probably loving it. You're getting like the hottest girls in the world. This guy's like, <laughs> and yeah. I guess his role was just different. Your day to day at that point. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I guess, I guess when it comes to Jaw Rule, his role was just to help you actually connect with other artists. Um, he was I'm, actually a really good salesman. Okay. Um, he's, okay. He's very charismatic. Yeah. And like in a weird way, he was like a great almost like a great manager for the team. He wasn't like, okay. he wasn't in the office for 18 hours a day, but like he inspired people, right? And like yeah. when I'm trying to hire like great programmers away from like Google or big companies, like he was like a good, you know, a good person to help with that sales pitch. It's, it's like, a nice right, trophy to have. Yeah, right like you, yeah. Can, you can work for some, you know, nerd at Google yep. or like get like a similar salary with us and like hang out with rappers. So yeah. yeah, it was, it was more like, of a lifestyle like thing pitch, too. But at the time I thought it was helping, but I actually, looking back now, I think it actually hurt Okay. Because we're just attracting shitty people. And we True. were attracting people who wanted shortcuts yeah. and who wanted something that they weren't. Uh-huh. And like when shit hit the fan, like I just had a lot of like really shallow, shitty employees. And I was by far the shallowest and the worst out of everybody. And like I was the most guilty, but I was attracting people who were True. interested in that path that I was going down at that time. Mm-hmm. And that's not sustainable to build a real business. Yeah. Was there, was there like, uh, like you said, I know you haven't watched the, the, the documentary, but. Everyone, I feel like, claimed to be saying, like, oh, Billy, like, stop, like, don't do this. But from your experience, was that true? Or were, like, was there a certain percentage of people that were like, don't do it? And some were like, no, we can make this happen. Or what was, like, the common idea behind, like, the common uh, way of thinking for everybody in terms of, like, can we make it happen or not? Yeah, so I was certainly told to stop by everybody. Okay. I think that... I was so used to hearing that from Magnesis to Splink to everything else before. I didn't know how to differentiate like the level of the noise. 
Yeah. Like, oh, I've been hearing this shit for five years, and every time, like, I've proved it wrong. Yeah. So I had that mentality. Yeah. But at the same time, when someone's saying stop, like, do they really want to stop going to an island with supermodels every weekend? Like, <laughs> yeah. so it takes a special kind of person to turn that down. Yeah. So, Fair. like, you're saying stop, but your heart's like, fuck, man. Like, but you're yeah. still having a beer yeah, and having like, a good time. I got to do yeah. whatever I can to keep this gravy train rolling because, yeah. like, Amazon's not doing this. Like, <laughs> so, so what was, the, what was, okay, so you had, you had successful businesses before the mm-hmm. festival, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's obvious, right? So, what was what do you think was the difference when it came to the festival? Did, was it just the scale was much bigger, the money was much bigger? What As do you, you think guys said, I, I got lost in the sauce. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I lost all control. Yeah, in terms yeah. of like financial control. Okay, and I just I kept trying to outdo myself. It's like, sure. all right, we took ten people to the island, and like it cost us fifty grand to rent one island for the weekend. No, that's not enough. Like we need to rent three islands and and two yachts and three jets, and like yeah. all of a sudden we're just like spending so much money. And I'm just like outspending my means. Okay. Or we need to monetize from anywhere. So I made a lot of mistakes. Like one, I lied to investors to get more money. Mm-hmm. But I think also really bad mistake was I monetized the Magnesis customer base way too much because I needed cash. So, so what were you, what were, how were you monetizing them? Like you were just, started su- basically just like upselling them? It started being too salesy. It's like okay. pushing too many like offers and sales on them. Okay. And it's like we have this like diehard fan base right here, a customer base who's gotten a lot of value from us. And like, that's worth way more over the next five years and like Facts. an extra million dollars like is. next week is. Yeah. And it's like made that terrible decision and just like basically broke Magnesis down by just like trying to extract as much money as possible. How many members were a part of Magnesis at that time? So we had like 20,000 direct customers Whoa. who were like Holy signed fuck. up one-to-one. And what I really fucked up was we started selling bulk memberships. Um, actually, okay. a couple of like large landlords were buying it. So they would give it to all their tenants who would come to their buildings and like, that was the path to like real money. You yeah, know, you can get a couple, couple multi million dollar contracts from these massive landlords, like totally profitable. Yeah, and like we were starting to get a lot of traction there, and then they fucked it all up. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of like, you obviously keep mentioning going back, line investors, whatever. How are you getting access to these people? Like, yeah. who was opening the doors for you to talk to anybody that was willing to give you money for that? It just like took years of eating shit. Like, got that first check from John Ason at the Starbucks in New Jersey at nineteen, yeah. and. We just like told no many, many times. By the time I was like 24, it was five years of proving myself. Mm-hmm. So the investors who had known me the longest were like, yeah, like we trust you, right? We, yeah. we backed you for a number of years now. Like, of course, we believe this is going to be the biggest. Yeah. And dude, like the lies were unforgivable, but yeah. there was something magical about taking, you know, like the most intriguing people in the world to a private island where no one else is. And no, for sure. if you're an investor, you're not immune to that. Yeah. I, I mean, care. it's like, a once in a lifetime yeah. thing. It's never happened. But, it, but like, it, it, even if you own a hedge fund in New York and you made a billion dollars, like you're still probably not going there without course. me. So yeah. it's yeah. like there was some <laughs> sort of magnetism that like lured everybody that drew in. people yeah. in. And like, okay, you say like the lies were unforgivable. Like, like what's an example of a lie that you told to get some value, like some dollar amount? Yeah, we made X millions of dollars last month, and that was like totally, okay. totally wrong. Oh, okay, yeah. and then it was just like what in, in exchange for a percentage of the business or like. So it was more to like make the investment in the business seem more attractive. Okay. Like, all right, guys are raising $10 million like in the next two weeks. Um, here's why you should invest. We made X dollars last month and all this shit's happening for us. And like okay. a lot of it was true, but the the numbers I was giving were just totally, totally bullshit. Okay, 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 okay. And and no one like, and no one even thought to like, hey, like let's fucking check out the numbers. Like, But I had built trust for you so many years. You had that trust. Yeah, it was yeah. just the trust yeah. and then the beauty of just like what you were doing. It's like, if you guys are like, hey, you know, you tell an investor, hey, we got a Rumble deal. They're going to give us, you know, 2 million subscribers. Uh-huh. They're probably not going to think you're bullshitting, right? Yeah, Because like, fair. you've, 
busting your ass to grow up your subscriber base on YouTube. Like, why would you guys fuck it up? And it's like mm-hmm. the same exact mentality. It's like, yeah. it takes someone like really stupid <laughs> to like fuck up all the good they had going for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was so there, like, was there any point where like you started to realize maybe something was wrong or were you just trying to convince yourself that you would do it? I was just totally convinced that people wanted this thing to succeed so much that it didn't matter what it took. Yeah. And that was wrong. I was like yeah. a 24 year old who was like insecure and just trying to pull it off. And yeah. there are way more things than a fucking music festival, right? Like no matter how cool I thought it was at the time, <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't understand that. And out of like looking back now, I guess, what do you think is the biggest loss that you incurred? Obviously, $26 million is a lot of money, but I would mention also 20,000 members in a community mm-hmm. is is very hard to get. I think so, it's it's a relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that trust you built. The, the trust is, I think, worth more than money, but yeah. it, even the money side of it, right? Like, I was backed by funds who could give me $100 million for my next project if I didn't, like, fuck things up. So, like, True. even if you're just, just looking at the money, it, yeah. was, it was all based in relationships, but, like, as a human, it's, it's relationships, too. And, like, yeah. the thing that was hardest for me was, you know, the 10 people who I think that I really, really let down. And, like, yeah. that's what hurts the most. Do you think any of those people will ever want to invest in anything else you do? So I think the the venture funds don't really care. I mean, I mean some some do, but like this sure. is their game, right? And like yeah, they fair. don't really care. And that's more of like a transactional relationship. Like yeah. I think I'm a much better bet now than I was five years ago. So yeah. if they bet on ten guys like me today, and you know four of us hit it big, like they'll win. And like they're good. They're, they're yeah. happy. So like yeah. I think for them, like they're they're always going to be there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like more of like the individuals that could have been doing something else with the time and like yeah. risked that and like that yeah, hurts yeah. the most like in terms of like you're saying like the workers the people who are like a part of the project the or? workers the some team members even yeah. some like personal investors and yeah you know they were from all walks of life and like the money hurt more to some than hurt to others but yeah. i think it's more about like that trust aspect yeah with the trust for sure uh, and and at what point are you do you decide okay when i get out of jail i'm actually gonna start get into business again at what point do you decide that so i think like for the first two years of jail i was like very down like okay like i keep trying to do things i try to do a podcast i try to do this and like it just keeps making the situation worse where i started to believe a lot of the narrative that like i'm incompetent yeah and it's like you know i have friends and family who's like think they're trying to protect me it's like okay you can't do anything just like sit down and, like you know you can like drive an uber when you get out and they try to like wow like basically like keep me quiet in jail yeah and then like after a couple of years of this shit i slowly started like growing the desire back where it's like when it was time to get out, it's like, I fucking want it all. And I'm just going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to claw until I get it. Is that because you think that you were like, you were analyzing everything that's happened and, and seeing the mistakes you made and, and being like, okay, like if I just don't do that, I could probably make something happen like a festival or, or something like that. I think like in our life, we all have like anxiety and fears, but the motion helps like put them to ease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're just like going, you don't have time to think about like your flaws and your weaknesses. It's true. But when you're forced to stop, and all you're hearing is like documentaries come out, the news comes out, everybody says I'm like fucking scumbag, I'm incompetent, yeah. I'm, I'm the worst, I'm this and that, and I can't like distract myself from it, you start believing it. True. And it took like literally two years to be like, okay, shut the fuck up, like drown that shit out, yeah. and like get the ambition back. And, and what do you think was the, like the biggest takeaway from those four years for you personally? I think it was the seven months in solitary from the podcast. Sure. And it was kind of this weird thing where up until that point, everything I had done and gotten in trouble for, I was entirely guilty. I deserved my sentence. 
I deserved all the little punishments in jail before this bigger punishment. Like everything was like black and white. I broke a rule. I was wrong. And like mentally, while it sucked, at least I understood it. Mm-hmm. But when the podcast came to be, while it was so stupid to do looking back now, like at that time, it's like, I didn't break the fucking rules. And like, look what can happen to me. I think like the fear of not having resources, the fear of not having relationships and seeing like what can happen and seeing guys who had been in solitary for 10 years just because they had no one to advocate on their behalf and they had no money yeah. to fight this. Like that yeah. fucking scared me. It's like, I can't be in this position again where I have no one powerful to fucking have my back. Yeah. I need to go and like create value so I can never be like this. And like that scared me. It's like, fuck it. Let's go get it. And, and even like, how, how was your, how was your family and stuff like while you were in there and when you came out as well? Like what, I know you mentioned the mm-hmm. bit that they were saying, hey, just do a, just fucking drive Uber and, yeah. and just take it easy, go crawl in a hole and yeah, exactly. die. Literally, yeah. Um, <laughs> Literally. So, so how did they take this whole situation? I think it was really, it's probably the hardest actually for like the closest family and friends. Um, I, it's probably, I think whenever you're going through a really bad, like traumatic situation, when you're going through it, you at least like know what's happening, like blow by blow. Yeah. But when you're not going through it, you assume the worst. I think like that's the hardest, like not knowing, I think it's really tough. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I feel for people who weren't knowing and like, wasn't just me, you would see every guy in there and like their family certainly took it probably harder than they did. For sure. In terms of like, in terms of never, I'm always curious, like you never watched the documentary, mm-hmm. like what's the reasoning behind that? So like the day after they came out, I saw like some TMZ spot, like in the jail I was, and this guy claims on saying he was the head of marketing. I'd okay. never seen it in my life. And I got so mad. Really? And like, at this point, like my family and friends are coming to visit me. And I'm like, I don't fucking know this guy. Like, they're like, Billy, it's okay. Like, you, like you're, just, you're not thinking straight right now. Like, it's lots going on. People thought I was lying. Oh, okay. And like, I got so angry that I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And one of the guys like snuck in a USB device with like TV shows on it. So like the whole jail watched it. I just like went outside alone, like not watching it uh-huh. to protect myself. Because I'm like, fuck, while I was so wrong, like nine out of 10 things, like the one thing that's a lie is like what I'm going to focus on and that's yeah. going to make me go crazy. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. Who, do you, like who even made that one? The Netflix one who made that documentary? Uh, I think it was a combination of fuck Jerry yes. and, and some like other directors. Who you right? hired during it, right? Yeah. They, they were, they were like an agency working for us. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So they fucking, they, they just tried to cash out essentially. Basically. Yeah. And there was another one on who, like they made another yeah, one. Yeah. And then who was just some separate. Yeah. That only that one did well, but, <laughs> but I'm curious, Where? like, do you, like, I mean, you saw the spot guy claimed head of marketing yeah. wasn't come on, bro. And, um, he was like telling a story. I think like Harvey was asking him a question. He's like telling a story about how I did something at like this meeting is, yeah. dude, I've never fucking seen you before. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so I guess obviously with you not have not, you haven't watched it like and seen that guy lie. Like essentially you think they probably lied about a lot of the things in there. Exactly. And it's yeah. like, I was, I, I just like wanted to do something about it. And like, there was no, you couldn't, I was in jail. Right. Uh-huh. And it's like, knowing you can't act, I was trying to protect myself at that point. Like, okay, yeah. I just need to drown this shit out because like, if this guy is saying he's ahead of marketing, like what's the next guy going to say on True. there? Yeah. And but it, but isn't, isn't that like grounds for defamation? I don't know. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I have no idea. Yeah. And it's you're like, trying to stay yeah. out of that world. <laughs> you're just hey, like, you're like, like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever, whatever, like, I just got to go forward. Like, yeah. That I hear you. Like, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So now, so now you come out and, and you're back in the business world. Mm-hmm. Billy's back. Yep. And, and what's. What's the plan now? And I know you have a few projects going mm-hmm. on. You've made it very clear using social media, yeah. right? Um, I know you have Pirate. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about, about Pirate a little bit. Was that the first project that you said, okay, I want, this is the first thing I want to work on? 
So I'm in like a interesting spot right now where I just have so many fucking bills to pay. Yeah. But like also need to be able to have a team to to build shit. So just doing like a lot of marketing work for venture funded companies to cool. just help try to pay the bills. Cool. Doing some TV stuff too, just you know, once again to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. But long term, it's all about pirate. Okay. And I want to get back to like the island thing that I did really well, but actually have a permanent hotel where we're hosting like similar talent. But this time, instead of trying to bring thousands of people there physically, we're working in this like live stream system where we're going to live stream everything happening okay. and then give people this virtual world where they can actually change like what's happening at the real hotel. Oh, shit. So oh, shit. open up to everybody, but like virtually. Interesting. Yeah. Dope. So um, it's it's going to be like a three to five year project. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of hurdles to cross getting like international travel approved on probation, like a lot of bullshit I got to deal with and like yeah. rightfully so, but Fair. that's kind of like where my, where my uh, heart and desire is long-term. So, so you're, you're helping others market their, their own things, yeah. but that's, that's not pirate though. That's not, that's, we have a agency called pirate collective. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, so that's like underneath pirate. Okay. Essentially, yeah. And then, and then I guess I'm assuming that this is going to be the mother company for any sort of brands you put underneath events exactly. or anything like that. Dude, I'm, you guys said you have an agency. Dude, the work fucking sucks, man. Like, oh, yeah. services are hard, yeah. right? Like, man, yeah. we, do, we do all uh, digital marketing, right? So we yeah. do social media, content creation, website, influencer marketing, all that sort of stuff. It's very hands-on. Very it's very hard. difficult because the company actually can, can turn around and just blame the marketing if yeah. they don't get what they want, right? Have you noticed that ever? I think it's like I've always been the founder of companies. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now, like, you know, someone hires you, whether they give you $1,000 or $100,000, like, you're on call, right? Like, yeah. It's like a different, it's a different feeling. Like even I, in terms like of a bunch of bosses now. So yeah, like, yeah. even in terms of just the way we market nowadays compared to let's say Firefest. Yeah. What have you noticed about that, and and what what kind of um, pointers are you taking from what's happening now on social media and online? Because obviously it's way more online than it was before. So I think like the general psychology hasn't changed. Yeah. I think the way like content is like shot and edited has totally changed, and yeah. I haven't like I don't think I understand that yet, but I'm yeah. not really too concerned okay. with a time on understanding that I think like the overall psychology for like big campaigns is just like, it's still there. It's about like, what's like wild creative and how yeah. do you get people to come together to make a moment? Right. Yeah. And, yes. Like that hasn't changed, but you know, like I'm certainly don't know how to do a 30 second TikTok video yet. Might, <laughs> You'll get it. It's I might, pretty easy. I might never. And like, that's <laughs> yeah. okay. Like yeah. that's not going to be my bread and butter. I think yeah. it's like these bigger campaigns that is want to focus on. Is like what you're currently doing with other companies sort of like a, I guess like consulting in a way. Cause I was going to say, I feel like a lot of people would probably mm-hmm. be interested in having you consult their business from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. It's pretty much like marketing, okay. marketing, consulting, okay. and like okay. just trying to focus on like bigger brands and yeah. like do strategic shit. That's big. And like, yes, I can't help someone do the fucking TikTok video. Right. I'm like, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm clueless there. So yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Just like bigger, hopefully, hopefully like bigger campaign. And, yeah. and what are, what are you, what's the dialogue like with people now? Like, like new teammates and, and new partners, what are you telling them to to kind of, I guess, convince them in a way that what's happened in the past is in the past? Because mm-hmm. that's obviously a conversation when you're bringing people into your, you know, into your team or into your business. I've noticed a shift a little bit. I think okay. in the, I've been trying to be super transparent with everybody. Like yeah. mm-hmm. the first time I meet someone like, hey, just so you know, like here's what I'm up against. Like here's what I did wrong. And for the first few months, everybody's like, oh, I really appreciate that. Like, thank you. Yeah. And now people like don't really care. Okay. as much like i'm sure they care but it's like okay we, we don't need to hear it like we're either going to say yes or no and like it's not going to be our deciding factor yeah. so it's interesting to see that shift i still do think though that a lot of the bigger companies we speak with they take it to the board and like 
there is the old guy there who's like, we can't take that risk. And for sure. some of them are getting through, but I'm still certainly getting blocked. And like, I will continue to get blocked, I think, for a couple of years. Like, I think you just need to, sucks. I think you need to partner up with just like, like a financial genius. Yeah. Just so that they just don't, like, they're just like, okay, you know what? Fine. For sure. He has this guy. Now, if anyone fucks up, it's this guy. Um, Do you have any partners with your current business? I have a partner. And, okay. And, and cool. he's great. And like, there's like 10 of us on the team. Nice. I think what's going to take is like two or three really good wins like this yeah, year true. to yes. get like, the top quality, you know, firm or group in the world to basically come and like either back us or yeah. like, you know, help us kind of get over the hump. You just need that like yeah. next proof of concept exactly. in a way. Like, exactly. hey, look what we just did. Like mm -hmm. we can do this again type of thing. And then like the most notable financial guy in the world can be like, all right, I'm the guardrails. Yeah. I'm yes. going to make sure he doesn't fuck up the finances. Like yeah. let's let him do what he's good at. And uh -huh. like that will hopefully stop like the old guy in the room at some like big that's ass what I'm saying. That's gonna, from saying That's no. going to help like the, yeah. old, like the older mentality or the old school kind of guy that's, the top of tier mm -hmm. uh, individual there, he's going to be like, okay, you know what? All right, fine. He did things the old school way. He got his financial guy now. Yeah. We don't have to worry about him learning from the experience. We have a guy there. But um, I'm, I'm curious. Agreed. Like, I want to speak more from, let's say, a mental side of things. I'm mm -hmm. sure you've probably been called every name in the book. Yeah. This guy's a psychopath. This guy's a sociopath. This guy's whatever. Um, I guess it's a kind of a two-pronged question. Do you believe you have any of those tendencies? Mm -hmm. A. And B... Have you ever seeked any kind of help, let's mm -hmm. say from a therapist or doctor in any shape or form? Yep. So I, I think reusing your words here, I was definitely lost in the sauce yeah. for okay. a, a year or two or however long the time, whatever mm -hmm. long time frame was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of it just stemmed from insecurities where I was so desperate to make people happy. Mm -hmm. And I think like that's my biggest flaw in the world was okay. I was so bad at telling somebody something they didn't want to hear. And like the point where like, I probably shouldn't hire you, but I don't want to make you feel bad. So I'm going to give you a job. Yeah. And like that's bad for you long-term because like you're really not a fit. And I didn't realize that I was causing long-term harm by like delivering short-term happiness. Mm -hmm. so I think the biggest thing for me is like been just focusing on that. It's like just being fucking blunt. Yeah. Even if you don't want to hear it now, it's actually better for you. Right. hundred percent. And I'm promising you something that I can't do that makes you feel giddy for 12 hours, but it's going to fuck you in six months. Like that's yeah. wrong. So Fair. I think insecurity is the biggest issue there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm highly flawed, you know, I guess in a lot of ways, but As we yeah, all just are. trying to like, yeah, yeah, trying to think through it and learn all of it. Yeah, I, no, I, I guess I'm just asking that because I've heard everything. I'm sure, mm -hmm. I'm sure you have everything yeah. in the book. I watch any interviews or whatever, people talking about you. Everyone's got an opinion mm -hmm. in the fucking documentary. They said a bunch of shit. So I just wanted to, you know, hear from you and, and, have you, I'm at now, this is just a question that we've been asking a lot of our guests, like therapy, have you ever tried a therapist? So I actually have court mandated therapy. Oh, oh so okay. you have to do yeah. it. So okay. yeah, I do it now. Yeah. Um, What's your thoughts on it? <laughs> I think the reality is I'm not going to not commit a crime or commit a crime because of therapy or lack of therapy. So I don't think it's Fair. like, I don't know if it's like as impactful on a you know regular basis mm -hmm. i do think it's like helpful to take a pause and like reflect about like thought process and decisions so i'm like yeah. whether that's therapy or meditation or exercise like i think you need that yeah and i certainly didn't have that when i was making bad decisions yeah so i think it's like one channel of of a few to yeah. you know basically pause and stop and think. And do you have any mentors now that you talk to yeah for sure uh -huh. um that was, I guess, kind of the hardest part is like I had so many mentors before and like I, you know, I fed off of that. And like I really loved being able to get advice. And like I was a huge like seeker of feedback. Every time I was making a big decision, 
I would ask 10 people. I might not listen to one of them, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but you asked. <laughs> I, I like to like feel like I was getting feedback. Yeah. And it's taken me a beat now to have like those like real people who are like older with a lot to lose to come back around. Yeah. So it's something that I'm like trying to build back. Build back. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, that was hard to lose it. And in yeah. jail, I felt like I didn't have that for a number sure. of years. And like that hurt. It's like, you know, some guy who's running a big company like can't afford the public association of, you know, taking my prison email. Right. Yeah. So it's true. like, that, w- that was hard to lose. A lot of sure. a lot of comments I've seen too, and and you let me know what you think about yeah. this. But people are saying, "Oh, like he's just sorry because he got caught." Mm-hmm. Right now, I think he would have got caught either way. Like there yeah. was no way out. But what do you think about that statement? <laughs> it's, I, it's, <laughs> it's a tough one. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, I think like if you're putting aside like tr- like true remorse, yeah, from a selfish perspective, yeah, I'm very happy. I'm not living that life that I was okay. when I was like lying to investors. Like, yeah. That was just like not a healthy and sustainable way to live. Like morally, so yeah. even if you're like not remorseful, it was just like not the way to go. Yeah. But you get eaten up. Like when you're alone for four years, dude, you're not thinking about like the dinner when you spent 20 K you're yeah. thinking about like the eight people that you fucked over. Yeah. And like, that's what eats you alive. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't think that anybody is carried through their best moments in the worst times. You're carried through the times when you're really fucked up. And like, yeah. So that's what hurts me more than more than the good memories. Yeah, and I, I kind of agree with you. I think that I'm just this is me making a complete assumption that yeah. even if you hadn't gone caught, like it catches up to you. Lying yeah. and just being a shitty person overall between a bunch of whether that's just personally in a business perspective or whatever, like it doesn't it's not good to live that way. Like if you even if you never get caught, you're gonna live a pretty sad life internally. In the it moments might be worse you, if you don't get caught. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like exactly. in the moments <laughs> exactly. that you sit yeah. down, even if you didn't get caught, and you're sitting in you know your beautiful Soho apartment, but you're like, dude, I fucked that guy, fuck that guy, yeah. fuck that woman, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. it's a shit, it's a shit way. So, yeah, those are those, that, that's a pretty tough question, but mm-hmm. I think seven months of solitary confinement probably <laughs> will make you Makes feel. You think. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I imagine. Promise you, in those tough times, you're thinking about. Other bad times, not the good times. Oh, it's like, I can imagine. It's like, yeah, you're like, what? How did I like do so wrong? Mm-hmm. Is like your thought process mm-hmm. is it's like, For oh, sure. that one time was so great. Like, no, no, no. no. It's like, yeah. Yeah, like I know, it. I know, like all of like they they really put all of the blame on you. But like, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here and 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 be like, aren't the investors also to blame for not doing due diligence properly? Like, wouldn't you like, wouldn't you say that in a way? I don't think so because like we were so early on in okay. like, the life cycle of a company. Okay. That, like that's how startups were like raise money. Yeah, and, uh, based off dreams, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. it's like, and I had enough of a track record where, yeah, it, it was a good investment, right? Like, yeah. and if I wasn't lying, it was a great investment. Like, yeah, like whether it worked or not, like it had a chance of like you know being a the good concept return. was and there. Like, the, if you invest in ten of them, like you're gonna you're gonna do well. Yeah. So is a festival in the works though? Will, will you do another? Will I, mean, you I have to at some point. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm on probation, so I can't like right now. But like, at okay. some point, I'm doing a festival. I'm, yeah. For, for sure, we're doing the festival. It has to. It, we got we got to run it. Is it gonna be fire festival though? I don't know what we're gonna call it yet. Okay. I got I to look more into the legalities there. Sure. I think this time, like I have a marketing idea at this time that I fucking love already. So okay, it's like, okay. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. I saw something about like the treasure hunt and stuff like that too. Is that something? That's it's like all kind of leading festival related. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where we'll see <laughs> you, don't it's, it's, you don't want to say too much. Just no, no rush. So okay, we'll fucking cool. be there. Yeah. We will yeah, be yeah. there. And, and, so. I hope so. Yes. And and a lot of things I think people, and again, like I'm playing devil's advocate. A lot of th- things that people look past is the fact that you, you must have been a good entrepreneur mm-hmm. to get that much money. Yeah. Right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up with that and say, what advice would you give to any 
younger entrepreneurs out there, maybe 18, 19 years old, mm -hmm. that are trying to find their way in the world and, and maybe even raise money or maybe build a team mm -hmm. based on what you know now after, after, let's say, the last 10 years? I think it's all about like honing one skill set. Okay, finding like a niche. Being the best at one thing is way better than being very good at like 20 things. Okay. Because if you're the best at one thing, the best at something else is going to be attracted to you. Yeah. Like now you have an incredible team. Like yeah. if you're very good at a bunch of stuff, the best doesn't have time for you. True. So it's like True. fucking crush. It's like one area of business yeah. and you will attract like people who are equivalently as good to, to make you better. And I guess now looking back, there's no Magnesis. There's no fire app. Everything's no, done. No, it's all, yeah. Even all, Magnesis done. It's all, it all got shut down. Yeah. Damn, bro. Yeah. Those are like your babies. Yeah, so they're the, fir the firstborns. But <laughs> <it's> <laughs> <okay>. Firstborns, <laughs> firstborns, but it, it's okay. I, I lost them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll bring it back. Third, fourth, and fifth born. Yeah. Um, what, what's a, what's like what's the last thing that you would want to tell people out there that that maybe they don't really know what you've been through. They've just watched the documentary. They've formed their own opinions. What what's what's one thing that you would really want to say to them? So I think particularly like recently in the news, you're seeing a lot of high profile people who are getting in trouble for yeah. failure. And I want to separate like failure versus committing a crime. Okay. And yeah. like there is no shame in failing, honestly. Okay. And you should not be scared to start because you're scared of failing. There is shame in committing a crime and failing because you lied. So Fair. when you see all these people that you all heard of like going to jail, it's not because they failed honestly. It's because they like lost all their morals and like actually committed a crime. Yeah. And so like I just want people to know like separate the those difference two facts between the two. And just fucking go. And if you go and you run to a wall and you do it honestly, like you're only going to get better from it. Yeah. Do you believe that this was all a blessing in disguise for you? I mean, it's hard, hard it's like, to say that, but like, <laughs> like as much as I want to say, besides yes, the 26 million, like, maybe as much let's as I want to say yes. It's like, but how are the people who got hurt doing uh -huh, right now? And like, I don't know about everybody. Right. So it's yeah. like, until I can answer that, it's like, I can't answer, I guess. And how are, and how are you even doing that? Like, are you, are you setting up co communications with these people and, and actually talking to them? It's like, it's tough. And so I've been paying restitution um, basically every few weeks I'll go and make a payment back to like the people who are owed okay. based on whatever I'm earning from those few weeks. Yeah. And it's just like a lump sum and then it gets divided up yeah, or is it like one investor like, at a know, time? I send it to the court and okay. then like it gets distributed. Uh, I would hope just like equally based on like what they're actually owed. I'm not quite sure how they distribute it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like weird. Like they're technically victims. So it's like, do I want to say true, it was a blessing? True. I, it's yeah. just like, it's hard to, it's hard to understand. Like, I want to apologize. I don't want to like offend them and be like, True. how dare he like reach out to me after what he did. So it's kind of like this weird line that I'm trying to just like learn and understand. But to be fair, I think you set yourself up for probably the best comeback story of all time though. Like, Thank you me. know what I mean? You put yourself at a pretty low, low. And if you, <laughs> and, and I don't, I'm not going to say if I'm going to say when you make it out, I think there's going to be a lot of good that comes from that. So, you know, with every situation there's good and bad and you just can't, you know, there's no way around that. But I think you've set yourself up for a pretty, Crazy story. Thank you. Crazy yeah. comeback. Yeah. Let's let's go on this and I'm ride. Confident, <laughs> and I'm confident, man. I'm confident in you just seeing what you've done and, and what you're doing right now. I think, I think you well, have a good Well, just the chance. fact that you've come out of jail and and, and you're back in it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, where right where you could have easily just yeah. said, fuck life now. I'm going to go fucking make minimum wage. Yeah. Don't talk to anybody. Don't put myself out there. You did the exact opposite, which, you know, you have to give a little bit of credit to because being in solitary confinement, being in jail for four years, affecting that many people, you can easily just say... Fuck it. Like life's over. Here. Life's yeah. over anyways. Fuck it, right? Um, but thanks for coming to talk to us, man. Yeah, thank yeah. you guys. This is a lot of fun. We yeah. got one more question. We have a famous question, question here. Okay? Yeah. We are okay. the MBH podcast, Money Buys Happiness. Yeah. Do you, Billy McFarlane, believe money buys happiness? I think money buys freedom and freedom is happiness, so yes. 
That's literally, that's literally math, my fucking baby. answer, too. It is basic math in here, yeah. baby. No, uh, listen, like, once again, appreciate you coming and doing yeah. this. Uh, yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for telling your story, bro. Yeah, I like yes. you guys. This yeah, awesome, being so man. open. Of course. And uh, guys, if you made it this far, you know what to do. Yep. Like, subscribe, leave a comment, let us know what you thought of the, the interview. And uh, Dean? We out.